Hello and welcome to Query, where we provide simple answers to your tech questions. My name is Stephen Hackett, and of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Micah Sargent. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm really excited about today's episode. Yeah, so we've been talking about this for a while. You are sort of the HomeKit guy, (laughs) and I thought it would be fun to really dig into this. You know, in in prep of this, the thing about HomeKit, I remember when it came out, it seemed really so simple and sort of like too basic in a way, but Apple's done a really good job of maturing it and more partners are on board. So like before it was like, oh, there's a, you know, three different things you can use with HomeKit. And now like, (laughs) it's still more narrow than like the Amazon Eco, the the Amazon Echo ecosystem. Nice. Ecosystem, ecosystem. But uh, it's it's better than it's ever been. And so I think if you're looking at getting into smart home stuff, like HomeKit's a, a pretty good place to start, I think, for most people. I agree. And I think, you know, it's kind of sad because in a lot of ways, I've noticed that that narrative still persists. Um, It's interesting human nature and the way that we sort of um, learn things and choose to pass things on. And so one of those sort of concepts is the idea that after we've locked in an idea about something, if we don't take the the time to sort of throw our energy at it, our cognitive loads at it, it, it will just sort of sit and stay how we think it was before. And so a lot of people, I think, have not re-examined HomeKit. And mm-hmm. so the, the minute they hear that word in their head, then they, they have their thoughts on it. But those thoughts are based in HomeKit history as opposed to how HomeKit is now. And now it has significantly improved and it is not the closed off, walled off, hard to get access to echo ecosystem that it once was. Uh, it's, it's mm-hmm. a lot better. Yeah. So let's, let's dive into some of this. We're going to talk about some stuff you can do for automation, some stuff to like bring non-HomeKit accessories into your HomeKit universe. Uh, lots of good stuff. So we're going to start with uh, with Parker. And Parker just wants to know, what are some of our most useful automations in the Home app? So the Home app gives us tools for things to happen automatically. You've got things based on time, and you have things based on location, correct? Is there, are yes. there any other triggers we should think about? Yeah, there are also sensors. So if you've got, you know, uh, motion detected or smoke detected, those kinds of sensors, you can trigger things. And then also just uh, something as simple as when an accessory is controlled. So it can sort of keep an eye on, oh, uh, now the garage door has been opened or has been closed. I want to do something else because of that happening. So it's, it's again, it's come it's come a long way. So what are some examples of things that you are doing uh, that you're doing with automation? Yeah, so I, I want to note, you know, it, it was not too terribly long ago that Apple started adding some fun location-based features to automation. Before it was just like, hey, when you walk into the house or you get inside of this GPS bubble, then you can trigger some sort of some sort of scene or some lights to turn on etc but now it's set up to where you can choose when certain people arrive at home so it can be like when the first person arrives at home or when the last person arrives at home uh depending on how you have your home kit set up the people that you've invited to have control of your home kit home it will use their devices to determine their location and you can change how that affects location and that makes a huge difference because if you're sitting at home you don't want to trigger the scene that like turns on all the lights in the house when <laughs> somebody else walks in because you've already got things set up how you want them. Uh, So just in general, 
pay attention to that whenever you're in the automations tab because you can come up with some really useful automations. Now, for me specifically, I've got uh, just a few. I, I'm kind of a control freak, and so I like to do a lot of the things myself uh, because I'm silly. But I do have some automations set up that are very helpful. Um, the Home app lets you not just choose time, so you know, 6 p.m., 6.15 a.m., what have you, but also time based on sunset and sunrise for the day. And that is very helpful if you are wanting to control lights based instead on time the the sort of how much light there is available and so i have it set up to where every day at sunset the yard lights in my front yard and my backyard turn on and then every day at sunrise those lights turn off again i don't have to think about it and in the summer i also have a bug light in the backyard that's connected to a home kit plug and so it automatically turns on at dusk and that's so helpful that I don't have to think about turning on those lights. I know that those lights are on. So, you know, if I needed to take a peek outside because I heard something, I can see very easily. And, you know, then I see, oh, it's just a raccoon running <laughs> across the yard or something. Uh, it's very helpful to have that and not have to think about it because it used to be that, oh, I'd remember to turn them on, but then I'd forget to turn them off or vice versa. Uh, and then the other one that I have uh, that, that's, that's related to location is just a simple, Hey, I don't want to walk into a completely dark home. And so it's when the first person arrives at home, turn on these specific lights. And for me, it would be the lights in the laundry room because it's what's connected to the garage and the lights in my dining room. And so those lights turn on like 50% and it just gives me enough light to sort of see where I'm going, probably with groceries or something like that as I'm mm -hmm. walking around in my house. And then last but not least is uh, a fun one. My garage, uh, it has an overhead light, but that's that was not enough light because it's just like one plug or I mean one outlet uh and i wanted to have more lights so i have some led lights set up uh they're like work lights and i've got those attached to a plug and then everything is controlled by a sensor an eve motion sensor that's set up in my garage and with the eve motion sensor you can determine how long of a period is is equal to like detecting motion. So it's kind of like it detects motion. And then if it doesn't detect motion again for the next blank or the next X minutes, then that means it's no longer detecting motion. So I have it set up so that it, when it detects motion, it will say I have detected motion for the next five minutes. And then afterwards it will switch to, I've no longer detected motion. And as long as it stays that way, then the lights will turn off. So it's, it's very helpful to just have lights on while I'm sort of getting out of my car, moving around. And then I don't have to think about turning them off again. They're just automatically going to turn off when I'm done. So yeah, I think, I think being able to combine those things is what makes this so powerful, mm -hmm. right? That you can, you can have basically different scenarios trigger things and like, there, to a degree, you sort of have to like build the pieces individually in the home app, like being able to say turn a light on at sunrise and off at sunset. That's actually two automations, but you can do things like, hey, come on at sunset and then turn off, you know, after half an hour or something. So like, there are some options. I wish it were more well-rounded, but I think your approach of like having these sort of multiple pieces working together the way you want them to is the, the right approach. Yes. And that's why, you know, I think that people may not 
get uh, whenever someone's like, hey, I want to get into smart home stuff. I like to tell them, okay, here's where you start, but understand that you're not going to know the true power of the smart home until you oh, get <laughs> until you get a bunch of <laughs> gadgets. Like you, whenever you build out your setup, that's whenever you start to really see how this home can sort of work for you. Uh, all right, mm-hmm. Stephen, let's hear what your automation or automations are. Yes. So mine are really simple. I don't actually have any triggering on location. And the reason is I work, uh, I work at home. And so some stuff that I would want to happen, say like I'm in my studio and like it's separate from the house, but it's on the property. Like the geofence isn't big enough for some of that stuff to trigger. And so that, that ends up being a little frustrating sometimes. Uh, but I do have several things based on time. And so we have, uh, sort of three big windows facing the street and there's a light in each of them, you know, kind of offset from the, from the window, like a lamp or a floor lamp or something. Right, right. And we have those, the three, I have individual automations for each of the three to turn on at specific times. And then some, one of them actually we let run, you know, until 8 PM, one runs till midnight. Uh, the other, it just stays on until we turn it off. That's the one in our bedroom. And so it, it, you know, if no one's home or if it's one person's home, it gives the appearance that people are home. If we're not home, I have them coming on at different times. Nice. And so it's not like all of them come on at once. Like, yes, we have no cars in the driveway, whatever. But it ge- it gives me a better feeling that this doesn't look like someone just, you know, well, someone just automated this. <laughs> right. It, it looks a little more, uh, a little more random. So we have those three lights sort of all on separate timers. Uh, However, I do have some automation uh, a little off topic in my Nest system. So Nest products do not work with HomeKit, which is really frustrating to me. Yes. Because I have several Nest cameras. I have the Nest uh, security system thing, uh, Nest Guard, I think is the name. Okay, yeah. uh, In my office, in my studio. And uh, you can't tell HomeKit to do things with it. (laughs) Uh, Now, there are some things you can do, like webhooks, and like you can kind of get there with Siri stuff a little bit. But Nest in its own application gives you a lot of tools like this. And so, for instance, we have, when no one's home, turn on the camera that looks out the big front window. So we have this huge window in the front of our house, and that camera sits on a bookcase, and I can see the front door and that window. But I don't want that on when we're home because, A, I don't want to be on it. Right? I just want it to be visible when we're not home. Right. Uh, and B, I have that camera set to send me notifications if it sees anything, right? Someone throws a brick through my front window. I would like to know about it. Um, and, uh, so Nest uses geolocation and geofence stuff. Uh, Again, my office is too close to the house to trigger it. So sometimes I trigger that manually, but it gives me sort of the same flexibility just within the Nest universe. Like that's sort of a subtopic to HomeKit because there are still these manufacturers that don't play well together, but, uh, even if you have something outside of the HomeKit world, doesn't mean you can't use automation. It just is not going to be through the Home app. It's going to be through their their own application. Uh, so those are my big two. I have some ideas now about if someone's home, turn this light on, turn that light off. Uh, I think some of that's interesting. I might start playing with some of that. But uh, so far, the time is the big thing for me. Just turn these lights on and off at set times. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so certainly take a look into those. There are lots of things. And, and like Stephen's talking about, play around because it's, it's a chance that you might come across something that you end up liking and want to want to stick with and, and have mm-hmm. in your home. Yeah. 
All right, so we, we're going to talk about some more stuff, but first I want to tell you about our first sponsor. This episode of Query is brought to you by Pingdom. Pingdom is the company that makes website performance monitoring really easy. And everyone loves a fast website, right? Pingdom helps keep your favorite sites online and fast. Things like Netflix, Amazon, Spotify, Twitter, BuzzFeed, Relay FM. <laughs> These are just a few of the companies that trust Pingdom to take care of their website monitoring. Because look, we're way past the days like when I learned in college how to build like HTML websites or Flash websites. That's all in the past. Websites now are really complicated. And you can monitor all these little site transactions with Pingdom. Stuff like user registration, logins, checkouts. All these individual components can be monitored by Pingdom. Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest site experience possible. And if disaster strikes, you'll be the first to know with their notification system. Your site goes down, you have something that's not checking out, Pingdom will let you know. And it's super easy to get started. All they need is your URL. You're not installing something. You just give them your URL, and they just take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the offer code QUERY at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. My thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and RelayFM. So I was talking about my Nest stuff that isn't HomeKit compatible. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was thinking about it. There, there are other accessories. There's some lights. There's some other things out there in the sort of Internet of Things world that don't support HomeKit yet. So what if you have some of these and you want to kind of bring them in to the HomeKit folder. Are there any options here? Do you have to have that robot button pusher we talked about last time? Like, uh, Yes, you what, do. What can we do here? I just want to say, yes, you do, because I just want everyone to have that button. No. Um, so good. I really do. I, I can't wait. Brian says he's getting it, and I can't wait to see it. I'm looking forward to it. But um, I get this question a lot. It's actually one of the, the most common questions. And before I dig into what you can do, I do want to start by saying you may, I know you've held out for so long. You've been holding on hope and you've just been waiting and hoping that it happens, but you might continue to wait just a little bit longer. And that's because as of iOS 11.3, so yes, let's look back on iOS 11.3, Apple added a new feature to HomeKit that allows for what's called software authentication. And in the past, there would have to be this this sort of process where a specific chip that Apple makes was included with the uh, with the devices that went that were created to work with HomeKit. It was called an authentication coprocessor, and so this hardware uh, chip would go through and do the authentication that's necessary to work with HomeKit and. That was sort of the best way to go about, or, or rather the only way to be able to sell devices that says works with Apple HomeKit and to actually have it you know, work in the app. Well, Apple realized that for devices that already exist on the market, especially things like Nest and uh, Belkin's, what is it, Waymo stuff, that's kind of tough to do. And it used to be the case that it was just kind of hard to be able to do HomeKit's very robust authentication via software. And so using this authentication coprocessor, you could essentially just have that little chip do all the work and you wouldn't have to worry about it. And it was low power, this, that, and the other. Um, But the important thing is that now 
people who already have those devices that are out there can do this via software instead of having to get this authentication coprocessor. And so it could be that you know, your device that you're holding out hope for is right around the corner to getting HomeKit support through software authentication. And we've seen that with Waymo now, and I think a couple others who have chosen this option. Um, although some still continue to do the authentication coprocessor because it's my understanding from communicating with some of these companies that it's just easier to do it that way. But uh if what I'm about to talk about seems really frightening, then just holding on a little bit longer might be the best bet for you. So there is a way, because where there's a will, there's a way uh, to connect non-compatible or incompatible HomeKit accessories to your HomeKit setup. This is a service, a feature, a, a, a Node.js server <laughs> called HomeBridge. HomeBridge essentially acts as a HomeKit-enabled bridge device that allows you to connect non-HomeKit-enabled accessories to your HomeKit setup. So if you think about Hue lights, right? Hue lights have a bridge, and that bridge connects to your router, and all of the communication goes through the bridge to the individual lights that are set up in your home. You aren't, you aren't connected directly to those bulbs. You are connected to the bridge, which then connects to the bulbs. So think of this as the same sort of thing. You are connecting to that home bridge server and talking to it. It has HomeKit authentication, and you aren't connecting to all of those individual things that are on there. It figures out and translates how to talk to all of those things. It's a very clever way to go about adding non-HomeKit-enabled accessories to your home. However, it's not easy. Um, I We're going to include in the show notes a link that shows you how to set up, install, and configure HomeBridge and, and then add accessories that you want to. But uh, it's it's one of the longest articles that that I've put together uh, because it's it's complicated. I mean, you're essentially installing uh, Node.js. You're then creating a, a server that you have to keep running uh, if you want to be able to connect these gadgets that don't work with HomeKit. And then you have to install different packages for individual non-HomeKit-enabled accessories. So it's very involved. And it's it's not easy, but it is possible to connect those accessories that way. And a lot of people end up going and getting, or if you already have one, using a Raspberry Pi device. So that way it can stay running and you don't have to have your computer running at all times with this server uh, working. So there are there are step-by-step -step instructions for setting it up that way. But yes, um, it used to be the, the way to add Waymo accessories to your HomeKit home. And it was that was one of the more simple options. Uh, but there are more complicated ones, including, Stephen, connecting Nest to your HomeKit home. <sighs> so that is HomeBridge. And if you have any in, you know, if you have any questions in particular about Homebridge, don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, but do check out that article first. And um, if it seems like it's too much for you, then, like I said, I think that your best bet is just to continue to hold out hope and maybe reach out to some of these third party uh, manufacturers and say, hey, 
We know there's software authentication now, so let's make with the HomeKit goods, please. And uh, mm-hmm. maybe they'll get on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was really encouraged with iOS 11.3 that they were changing the way this works, that thinking, you know, hey, this is going to open a floodgate. And the reality is that it still takes time to make these products, right? Like, uh-huh. um, But that, that list on Apple's site, there's a link in the show notes to things that are HomeKit compatible. Like, it continues to grow. Yeah. And so it may be that, you know, if you do want to do something – uh, maybe some uh, products out there or products coming that that could solve this without the need for Micah's crazy uh, <laughs> crazy setup here. Yeah, because just because the they now offer software authentication, that doesn't change the fact that Apple still requires the accessory to be sent off to one of their labs to be tested to make sure it works with uh, with the HomeKit spec and it still is going to offer you know all the necessary security precautions it still has to pass apple's tests and that has not changed so it's still going to take some time to be able to get those accessories to market it's just a little bit easier because people who already have or rather companies that already have uh home kit or rather Companies that already have smart home accessories out on the market aren't going to have to redesign the chips that are inside of those devices. Well, we're going to do uh, do the speed run here in a second, but let me tell you about our second sponsor. This episode of Query is also brought to you by Simple Contacts. We can just be honest with each other. You have a lot of stuff that demands your time. You have work to do, side projects to complete, maybe a video game or two to play. But luckily, you don't have to worry about ordering your contact lenses because Simple Contacts lets you renew your prescription and reorder your contacts online. You can do it from anywhere in just minutes. And their self-guided vision test takes just five minutes. It's way faster than taking time off to go to the doctor's office. A licensed doctor reviews each test so you can skip the office visit, but not the care. We need to let you know this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. Simple Contacts is just checking that your current prescription still helps you see 2020 and will renew your lenses based on that prescription. They're not writing a new prescription or examining your eye health. So I've used Simple Contacts. The contacts I like to wear are a little hard to find, and they had the brand, so I had them in. I did the vision test in just a couple of minutes on my iPhone, which felt, frankly, like the future. They verified it, and in a couple of days, I had a box of contacts delivered to my house. I didn't have to go anywhere. They showed up exactly the ones I wanted. And Simple Contacts has all the brands and lens types you're already familiar with. The vision tests cost just 20 bucks. The prices of the contact lenses are unbeatable, and their standard shipping is free. Plus, on top of that, we have a special offer for our listeners you can join the other 5,000 people who have rated Simple Contacts five stars in the App Store and get $20 off your contacts by going to simplecontacts.com slash query20 and use the code query20 at checkout. That's simplecontacts.com slash query20 and use the code query20 for $20 off. Our thanks to Simple Contacts for their support of Query and all of Relay FM. So we're talking about HomeKit this week and... Siri shortcuts is part of this ecosystem, ways you can trigger HomeKit stuff, it can work with it. But Garrett writes, there seems to be a bug with custom Siri shortcuts that run HomeKit scenes. They work the first time I run them, but after that, the shortcut will hang on the scene step forever. Many reports on this uh, on Reddit and Twitter I saw 
Uh, Garrett is frustrated since this is his primary use case for shortcuts. How long will it take for Apple to fix this? Any thoughts? Uh, so I, I'm with you, Garrett. I feel the pain because this is my primary use case for shortcuts. I was excited about shortcuts because it meant I could do fun things like say good morning and then have like, I don't know, Beyonce's single ladies start playing and like the lights to flash and for my whole morning <laughs> to just be awesome. But when shortcuts first shipped, you couldn't even do scenes in the app. And shortly afterward, there was this like, weird way to go about it where if you tapped on a scene enough then it would show up in the Siri recommendations area and then you could add a scene through that but then with shortcuts right before iOS 12 like officially launched then they added in uh, Siri shortcuts to use with HomeKit scenes. And so this is one of the newer additions and therefore we definitely know this is a bug but Based on what I've been hearing on, you know, other people wanting to use Siri shortcuts with HomeKit, it's a very, uh, very important feature and a very, very much used feature, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so Apple probably already knows about it. And if they don't, then they're going to hear about it soon. And so I see this feature getting fixed quickly because it was a late edition. So it's probably just bugs to do with, you know, they were adding it as quickly as they could. And now as we see, you know, they're going to find out that, hey, there's still a bug here that we need to get ironed out. And it shouldn't be too long before we see that fixed and corrected. What's cool about shortcuts is that it is developed independently of the OS. So like there's a beta for a new version of shortcuts now. And so you don't have to wait a year or something's broken like you do in mail or Safari or, or notes or something. So uh, we'll keep an eye on this because I think this is a big use. And talking about automation, this is a cool way to do some stuff with HomeKit sort of outside of the Home app itself. Exactly. Yeah, that's a, a big, big feature. Okay. Now for you, Stephen, Nick writes, I want to be able to tell Amazon's digital assistant, good night, and have it turn off my Philips Hue lights. I thought to set a scene, which must be done in the Hue app, but Hue says at least one light must be on for a scene. What do I do? Can I just say before you answer, that's so annoying that Hue needs you to have one light on. That makes no sense, but go ahead. There, there's a lot about the Hue ecosystem that's annoying. That's just one of them. Uh, for instance, I've had the, the, the wall-mounted hue light switches mm -hmm. you know this like low power thing and i've been through two of them and they keep dying oh, like the tap yep and they keep sending me new ones and they keep dying oh, so brother. it's not great okay so nick you can do this just using the amazon echo assistant you need to open that app on your iphone and you're going to go into the hamburger menu and there's a routines section i'm looking at my phone as i do this uh, you can go in and add a routine. There's a button in the top right corner of the screen. And then you tap on the plus sign next to, it says, when this happens. And so at this point, you set a phrase. You would say, um, Amazon Tube, good night. <laughs> great way to trigger this, by the way. I really like this. Uh, so then, so you have your routine, and then you go and add your action. You tap Smart Home. You find the device section, you find all your hue lights, and then you can change the setting to say, turn off all hue lights. So you're not using a hue scene, you're using an action to turn them all off. So mm -hmm. a little slight difference there. Uh, then you type, you tap add, you tap create, 
and then you should be good to go. So you're, you're just setting a routine, and these things just take text input and then make an action happen. So input, and then the action is turn all of them off. Um, so it's, it's pretty clever, and uh, it should get you on your way. Yeah, and I think that's what's handy about the A-L-E-X-A app is the fact that there's one device that's called All Hue Lights. So you can do them individually as you've named them. You can choose individual hue lights, but within that device section where you can tap to choose all the different ones, there is one device that is just called All Hue Lights. And what that means is that Amazon was thinking ahead of apparently Hue and knew that you might <laughs> want to control all of your hue lights at once. And so that that makes it simple. And th- in fact, that is just advice that I give in general. Um, Wherever you want to, wherever you find yourself doing your automations, be it through uh, the Amazon app or using the tube, or if you're in HomeKit, stick to doing as much of your automations as possible in that app. Don't go to individual apps and do a bunch of stuff because you're going to have run-ins, you're going to have things that don't work together, and eventually that could result in you not being able to control your home exactly how you want to. So your best bet is just to stick to one app or one device or one uh, over overall service like the framework and use that to do all of the automations as much as possible that's really good advice i use uh home the home app to do this with my hue lights in my office so i always have a scene that has them all off in the home app mm-hmm. but if you're in the hue app you can't do it it's maddening yes <laughs> All right, last one. Again, talking about Hue lights. Uh, They're very popular. They're just a little buggy sometimes. Uh, So Ryan asks, after a brief power outage, none of my HomeKit automations with my Hue lights are firing. Any idea how to fix this without recreating all the automations? And he's gone through and tried rebooting his Apple TV and the Hue Hub, which is like this little thing that plugs into your network. So uh, I've had this happen too. Uh, sometime for a while, anytime I had a power outage, all my Hue lights would just come on, even if it was in the middle of the night, which was not great. not good. Or, uh, some, yeah, I don't have any Hue lights in my bedroom anymore. Uh, uh, so have you found a way to deal with this? Yeah. So your first step is, uh, the, it's fun because Apple is thinking ahead. I think when it comes to doing home kit scenes and home kit automations, and so they've offered a lot of different options to set up as home hubs. Your Apple TV, the I think it's the third generation Apple TV and later, your iPad and your HomePod can all work as HomeKit home hubs. So your first step is to make sure that all of those devices, not just your Apple TV 4K, but if you've set up your HomePod, if you have one of those, or any of your iPads in your house as home hubs, then go ahead and reboot those as well. Now, after you've done that, my thing that has always gotten it to work for me again, whenever I've had some issues, is literally to just go into your home app, tap on the automation tab at the bottom of the screen, tap into your automation, and at the top it says, enable this automation, and it should be toggled on. Just toggle that off, wait a couple seconds, toggle it back on again, and then tap done. What that does is it basically goes out to all of your different home hubs, and it says, hey, bozos, pay attention to this, and it sort of overwrites what's already set up there and make makes it kind of start over and know what needs to be done. So make sure that whenever you are in that automations tab, 
this is a very important thing. Make sure that the accessories that you've set up before are still showing up inside of that that automation, because sometimes with a power loss or if you've switched things around or if you've changed names, annoyingly, the home app will sort of forget what accessories you've added to that. So you may have to add them again, but my hope is those will still be in there and that it was just an automation error and not an accessory error. And so just toggling off and back on enable this automation should uh, should do it for you. The old trick of turn it off <laughs> and back on again. <laughs> It never fails on this show that that's the answer. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing your home kit wisdom with us. Um, I expect that people will have more questions about this. Yeah. So if you do, uh, you can tweet with the hashtag AskQuery, and uh, they'll get scooped up into our spreadsheet. Uh, if you want to learn more about the stuff Micah talked about, uh, there are a bunch of links at relay.fm slash query slash 41. In the meantime, you can find Micah on Twitter at Micah Sargent, and you can find me there as ISMH. Until our next automation goes awry, Micah, say goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye, folks. Adios.